So, producer Nick, we have a problem. What's wrong? It seems as though Father Harrison has the flu and can't record. Oh, no. He has the flu and can't record uh, the podcast. Well, what's his fever like? Is it high or like, yeah, is he okay? I, I, I'm trying to say that he can't podcast because he has the flu. Is he you nauseous? Know, the, like, the flu podcast? N- the flu podcast? N- no. Yes. <laughs> no, no. Yes. Anthony, that's that father. No. Yes. No, it, no. Yes. No, no. no. It's time for the flu. <laughs> no. Oh, you want it. Oh, you need it. Oh, you got to, got to, got to have it. It's time for the flu. Where I give you the best Catholic tweets and all of Catholic Twitter whenever the heck I feel like it. Feel like it. Nah, I'm just kidding. Oh, good. We can't do that. No, we can't. No one would understand. No one would understand. So for people who are confused, um, producer Nick, this isn't our first time recording a podcast together. No. In fact, we did it two other times. Clerically speaking, was not our first venture. No, no. So... If you're on Twitter, you may be aware that Tommy Ty, he'll be on later on in the show, that he has his own podcast called The Chimney. And on The Chimney, he'll read people's tweets and crown someone king of Catholic Twitter. It's a well, nice, nice summary. Uh, yeah, but the problem is that he didn't crown me king of Catholic Twitter every week because yeah. he was too afraid. What do you mean? Too, too afraid, afraid of my spicy tweets. You do have spicy tweets. <laughs> right? Right? Mm. So Father Dan at Father Rocket Dan had the brilliant, inspired suggestion that I record my own podcast where I just scream the entire time, reading my own tweets and then crowning myself king of Catholic Twitter. <laughs> and I'm like, that's an excellent idea. I thought that's an excellent <laughs> idea. Right? <laughs> so that's what the flu is. Yeah. A play off the chimney. You get it? Okay. But that is not what we're doing today. What we're doing today is clerically speaking. Hooray. I'm Father Anthony Sharapa. And I am regular producer Nick. So this is clerically speaking, and producer Nick, because <laughs> what we have, it's not like, it's not truly clerically speaking. I guess so, yeah. Because I'm clerically. speaking clerically. You're speaking lay, laically, laically speaking. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I feel like I have dignity. Good. That's what I try to do. Priest, prophet, and king, kind of. Because you get your dignity when I tell you you have dignity. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, people, see? People listen to this. I know. They believe what you say. If they can't pick up my sarcasm by now, they I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. So, yeah. Today, we're going to have the producer Nick Spectacular. Ba, 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 ba. Uh, which will be like, clerically speaking, except without Father Harrison and instead. Bummer. Producer Nick. Right, it is. I'm yeah, disappointed. It's by like it. bum dog millionaire. And um, we are, we are a bit, we're, we're, it's a mess right now. Nick. Yeah. This is our second time trying to record this podcast. We recorded for a half hour. For a solid half hour. And it was good. I Great I, bits. I got over my fear of podcasting because I was doing it. I'm like, oh, we have chemistry. Right? You only said a lot of dumb things, which I thought you were going to say like a ton of dumb things, but you only said like a regular amount. So I was impressed. You can tell he's an older brother. He's a bully. <laughs> 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 Stop bullying producer Nick. He makes fun bumpers. Okay. Uh, but I want to paint the picture for our listeners, producer Nick. Yeah. Because right now we are recording in the the little house. The of, illustrious home. The illustrious home. Thank you. Of producer Nick. Yes. We're at your kitchen table. Yes. There are snacks galore. <laughs> there are. Also like garbage on the table. A lot of barks root There's beer. like a t-shirt on the table. Yeah. There's some medicine. There's Allergy uh, medicine. This what's 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 that's a tape measure. A tape measure. Okay, okay but stop. that's not that's not the interesting part. The interesting no. part is we have this fancy mic setup. Now I've got my real mic stand that you use to stand up mics, right? Right. Right. Describe your mic stand. My mic stand is made of glass, um, and then adhesive material and um, fabric. Your mic stand is a handle of whiskey with a microphone taped to the top. Listen, (laughs) it's the only thing in my house that was about the height that I speak into. 
Um, the adhesive is uh, uh, duct tape, and there's a sock over the microphone because um, I don't have a, a fancy mic, so it, it gets rid of the pee pops. None of those. Yeah. I mean, it works. Fancy technology. But it is the height of hobo podcasting. As the digital media strategist for the Diocese of Pittsburgh, I can make media happen on a budget. Is that your advertisement in case you get fired? <laughs> what else do you want to talk about, Anthony? <laughs> so, we'll talk more about that later. For now, let's talk about something a little more tweetological. <gasps> Should I sing it live? No, because you can't do four-part har- harmony by yourself. Can you? I don't think so. Birds, think can, birds can do that. Birds can do four-part harmony? Yeah, harmonies? birds can like do like multiple pitches in the same screech. Huh. Well, tweet, hey, tweet, fun tweet, fact. Tweet, fun tweet, fact, tweet, fun tweet, tweet. <laughs> about Thomas, when he would dictate the Summa Theologica, he would uh, have several people writing at the same time. So he have a whole bunch of people, almost like he was writing in four-part harmony. <gasps> no. Yes. And now it's time for the Summa Tweetologica. Yay! Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. We talk about So it wasn't really a transition, but what would you give me on that transition? Well, speaking on behalf of Father Harrison, mm-hmm. knowing how well he knows you, yes, A plus, A plus, excellent. I think wonderful. Father Harrison listening to the podcast right now would agree and give me an A plus. On he that definitely transition. would. I imagine him DMing us saying, "Wow, Nick, you really are in tune with who I am." Mm-hmm. I think he's just very proud of both of us and supportive. I think he's very proud of both of us and supportive. Excellent. Wonderful. And the fun part about this particular edition of Summa Tweetologica, which is our summary of interesting things we found on Catholic Twitter, or just Twitter in general, is that most of them have been chosen. So we have a DM, Father Harrison and I have this DM called Summa Tweetologica, and we just throw tweets in there that we like. And most weeks, it's mostly Father Harrison who's, who's picking the tweets. I think this past week, it was just Father Harrison that chose all so, of these tweets. So we're reading tweets that we don't even know about. Yeah, we're just reading Father, the tweets Father Harrison likes. Well, thank you, Padre. I'll try to save some of them because some of them he like, you know. But uh, ah, this is from, this is, this is good. This is from Justin Sherry. Justine Sherry. There we go. At Justine Sherry. Says, I had to Google what donatist means. But I am a firm donutist, in parentheses, someone who believes that all masses should be followed by coffee and donuts. It depends on the donut. What are we talking here, Krispy Kreme? Because those are light and fluffy. I can pound like a dozen of those. <laughs> I'm sure you Are could. we talking cake donuts? Because when I have a half of one of those, I want to pass out. <laughs> okay, okay. First things first. Are we talking about Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> because it depends on the toppings. It really depends on the toppings. It does. So Double basically, chocolate. at Father Sh- at Shrank, Father Alex Shrank was talking about the Donatist heresy, which is the belief that sacraments are only effective, sacraments only happen if the priest is holy. Oh, but I know who you are. We've been brothers for a long time. Right. I'm glad that's true. <laughs> well, thanks, <laughs> producer Nick. I'm glad it's true too. So the real, the truth is not it's uh, sacraments are not based on your holiness. It's based on your ordination, which is, so I could beat the living hell out of producer Nick tonight <laughs> and celebrate mass tomorrow morning, and it would be both illicit and valid, he, assuming he, I said the right words. He's a very loving brother. I no. could take that handle of whiskey attached to your microphone oh, and stop. beat you over the head with it and still hear someone's confession in the next moment. And it would Fascinating. So that's so donatists don't understand that. Okay. Wow, that's it's, it was a huge question brought up, and um, I managed the social media for the Diocese of Pittsburgh, and a lot of people messaged into the website mm. and into um, Facebook and Twitter, saying like, "Well, such and such priest who was in this report uh, baptized me. Am I even Catholic anymore?" 
Um, and the answer is? Yes. Super yes. Super yes. Oh, that's... It's a mercy. So wow. we'll talk more about your job later. Ooh. But now, how about you read a tweet? Okay. I picked one that, that I think you, you like. Okay. It's, it's that one. Super Bowl, question mark. Is that some sort of soup? <laughs> now, who, no, who tweeted You got to read who tweeted At Suede Abroad, Sweetie Abroad. See, it's not so easy, is it, Producer Nick? No. To get those names right, that's, huh? That's why I'm really good at producing and not saying words. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you watch the Super Bowl? No. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah, I guess we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> wow. Yikes. Uh... Um, it was... Very okay. It was a game of, of football? Yes. Excellent. We have added deeply to the discourse. I think so. Here's the real question, though. What's the real question? It's been going around Catholic Twitter and yeah. regular Twitter. Mm -hmm. Is chili a soup? Yeah. What else would it be? Okay. It would be chili. Chili is its own category chili, of Chili, when you have that much ground beef... In a liquid mixture, it can't just no, be a well, soup. First of all, there's different ways to make chili. What? There's there's soupier chilies, there's meatier chilies, there's vegetarian chilies. Ah, soupy is an adjective for what? Soup? Something else. You Otherwise, a, wait, wait, soup would be no, soupy. Not true, because you can have fishy fish and fish that's not so fishy. That's subjective. I like the flavor of what people call fishy fish. I'm just saying my descriptor my descriptor soupy doesn't not doesn't mean that chili's not a soup. If if you went to the Pittsburgh classic restaurant, Eat in Park. Yes. And you said, What's the soup of the day? And they said chili, would you be upset? People at restaurants literally do that all the time. It would not upset me. Father, can you think of any other example where people do things all the time, but it's still wrong? Yeah, disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> chili is chili! Chili okay. is chili! Agree to disagree. <laughs> all right. Soup. Ridiculous. All right, this is a good one. This is a good one. This is from... Let's do this one. At J.D. Flynn. And J.D. Flynn says, everybody thought that early Christians were weird because they didn't leave unwanted children exposed to die outside city walls. Okay. J.D. Flynn, I, I follow him. He's a good follow. Everyone should follow him. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally, I have no idea what he's talking about, but I know that it's some kind of really great critique on our current culture compared to the past. Father, will you enlighten us? So you don't know what he's talking about? You're going to make me say it. <laughs> yeah, say it. I, a lay person, mm -hmm. do not know. Wait, J.D. Flynn's a lay person. I just don't know. No, I haven't he, been taught. Is J.D. Flynn deacon? Is he? I think he's a deacon. J.D., are you a deacon? That doesn't work on podcasts. Anyway, I'll explain stuff to you anyway at Producer Nick. Not at Producer, Producer Nick. So, okay. In the ancient world, yeah. when you had a child you didn't want, and that could be for various different reasons. Either it was a mistress and you didn't want to deal with that biz, or it was because the child had some kind of deformity, in your opinion, or you just didn't want the kid. It was a common practice to leave the child to die in the wilderness or outside the city walls. You would just take the newborn child and basically throw away this human being. And that was a common practice in the ancient world. It happens all the time. Wow. Yeah. And so Christians, when Christians came on the, on the scene, not only did they refuse to do this for their own children, but they also began to save as many as they could who were exposed. And this is something that people forget, that we live in a post-Christian world, yeah. which means we're still related to Christianity in some ways. So your very secular atheist person could still care for the poor. It's just the culture they were brought up in because right. but they only care about the poor because <clears throat> that's a remnant of Christianity. Oh, so this is funny. Um, I went to John Carroll University, and it's a very good school. And I noticed that there were a group of students who would identify as Jesuit, but would say, I'm not really Catholic. I understand that completely. Okay. Get it? Because Jesuits... 
They're they're silly. Those silly Jesuits. <laughs> Are they Catholic? No one knows. Oh jeez. Uh, no, 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 no. But like, um, Jesuit spirituality wasn't is really it Catholic. No, no, no one knows. No, no <laughs> it, it so is. Goodness. Sorry, sorry, oh, sorry, good, good. Good. I'm done. I'm done. I'm but done, I'm done. but. People, the association, especially for millennials, millennials are searching for purpose. They're searching for big projects. They want to change the world. And so Jesuit was sort of rebranded as service for a lot of people. So if you were doing any kind of service, um, passing out meals at a soup kitchen or, you know, serving the poor in any way, that was a Jesuit thing to do. But as far as actually praying or going to mass, um, there was in this particular group of students, they weren't too into that. Right, yeah. So, and what you see there is kind of losing the heart of what goes on. And it's especially sad. Um, I mean, service is good. It's great that they're doing that service, and it's beautiful. Uh, but it's kind of sad coming from a Jesuit university or well, St. Ignatius was a, was a mystic. That's something that a lot of people forget. He was a mystical saint. Um, but in anything, if you begin to take Christ out of these values, then the values slowly become twisted. And so you can have a secular quote-unquote, care for the poor, but you're also totally okay with aborting children. And that happens in some people's minds, and vice versa. And so you see that that degradation, and people don't realize that how much of their values actually come from Christianity. The whole idea of caring for the poor is a very Christian thing that did not exist in the ancient world. I mean, you might have a governor or an emperor throw games for the people, or have a um, subsidy of food or whatever else, but that wasn't because poor people were good. That was either to control them, control the population, or um, to increase your own prestige. Wow. You would have um, various, uh, uh, there was like a, patri- uh, I wanna say Patreon system. <laughs> it's not a Patreon system. <laughs> What's the actual word that's not a website? Patronage. I also think of Patterson because at Father Rocket Dan always uses a joke. Patterson is a Patreon. Patron. Patron. There's a patronage system in Rome, but that wasn't to help poor people. That was just to increase your own prestige. That's all that was. And so this whole idea of like caring for the poor because the poor are good or human beings have dignity, that's a Christian thing. Um, it would even be seen in some cases as immoral if you were to value these people higher than the upper class from philosophers and stuff. So that's something that people miss. Uh, and as we come to the this part, this time in our culture, we're going to see that more and more, I think. Yikes. Yikes a thousand. <gasps> that's a thousand yikeses. It's a lot of yikeses. Wow. Okay. Hey, how about you read this one from at Father Nick OFM Conv. Okay, yes. Prior Nick, yeah. Yes, yes, okay. Person. Hi, Father. Any reason you didn't give out ashes at Mass today? Me. It's not Ash Wednesday? Person. But the calendar? Me. Yeah, but you've got the wrong month. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Why'd you pick this? Because it's it's something that happens. Like, people, like, it's funny how many people... They'll like assume that you're wrong, yeah. but you're not. And then they're hy- hysterically wrong, and I find that very edifying because I'm not a good person. <laughs> no, but remind me of something else. So last was it last year? No, it's two years ago now. I think I tweeted about this two years ago, but I celebrated St. Patrick's feast day a week before it happened. Oh. So it was Friday. It was whatever one we had Friday. And our bishop had given us dispensation to eat meat on Friday. So I even made this joke about even though you can eat meat on Friday, make sure you visit your local Catholic fish fry anyway. Oh. I had like a really good homily on St. Patrick. I was really proud of it. But people kept looking at me and they all looked confused. I'm like, whatever. They're just <laughs> they're just confused lay people. Voyage, right? Right, you know, you know, you know the feeling of being a confused lay person, right? Right, you know that, right? Right, you know that. You, 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 yeah, you know that, you know that, you know that. So that's what I thought. Okay, so I was done. I got into my car, and still thinking, wow, that's an odd reaction to maybe one of the best St. Patrick homilies of all time. And this nice lady walks up to my window and knocks on the window. I roll it down, and she goes, Father, 
It's not St. Patrick's. <laughs> it's not St. Patrick's Feast Day. And you I like, know that feeling of being a really confused cleric, right? Someone who's so out of touch with the lady and the common person that they don't even know their calendar, right? Right, Father? Right? You know that, right, Father? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Actually, I do. Very well. I, I mess things up all the time. It's embarrassing. But I felt terrible. Like, fucking, oh, I'm sure. Yikes. So, uh, yeah, just, just messing up the, uh, the, old, the good old liturgical calendar indubitably all right producer nick yes how do i see how long we've been recording oh good 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 i see how long are we how many tweets have you read yeah, probably enough we're at 22 okay yeah well i think we'll switch over to um okay oh that's good let's get to our patreon pontifications Oh, I like these. You like these because if we get enough uh, Patreons, we can buy you a real mic stand. I don't know. I kind of like my new mic stand. I think your mic stand is a hobo mic stand, and we don't need that. Patreon pontifications. You support us. We read your tweets. Please consider donating to our Patreon. <laughs> Money goes to paying for equipment like a new mic stand. And podcast hosting fees, as well as paying producer Nick That's a just me. wage for yes. all the work he does. He will be getting a paid deduction after this performance. What? <laughs> any money you have collected, any money we collect that goes beyond that is donated to the missionaries of charity. If you're a part of our $5 pastoral council tier or $10 church lady tier, you have a chance at having your chosen tweet talked about on our podcast. What do we got this week? This week, the lovely... Patreon person who got to choose it is Aaron at Aaron Gobraga. Italian, right? Yeah. 91. Wow. And she chose a tweet from Tim who is at Utimoik2. Pardon me? I mean, that's that's what it is. You know, I have to look these up when you guys say them. Yeah, it, but like some of these like Twitter handles, they're like impossible to understand. Like this one, Tim, at E-U-T-I-M-I-O-C-2. Yeah, I have no idea how you what even that. that. I don't know. But his tweet is this. Idle thought. How much better would modern life be if everyone fully understood that it's okay not to have slash express an opinion about some things and acted accordingly? But it feels so good to scream into the void. And then that particular audience that you've crafted for yourself, you mm. choose who to follow. Mm. They respond to you and say, you're right. It feels so good. It is. It's um, that's a, that's a dangerous part about Twitter. So the good thing about Twitter, especially for Catholics on Twitter, is that we can be at our best. We are excellent at creating community. Because yes. community is Catholic. It's you know inherently Catholic. So Catholics using Twitter for community is a good thing. When we use it to pray for each other, when we use it to exchange ideas, it's been helpful for me to bounce things off of people and other priests. Um, I found it very beneficial. When we use it to uh, meet with people in real life, like in these Twitter meetups, it's all good. That's a good way to use social media. That's one thing I like about Pope Francis is that in all of his social media posts, uh, especially Instagram or anything that's a little more visual, he is always engaging another human being. And so what he's demonstrating is that, you know, sure, uh, social media is good, it has value, he's using it, but he's always engaging another person in the flesh. So when social media, like, directs itself towards people, that's good. Okay, but I'm going to push back on this. Okay. Does Pope Francis write his own tweets? Super no. Guys, Pope Francis does not write his own of tweets. Of course he doesn't. There's a person there who, you know, who listens to his homilies and takes quotes from it. I, I'm sure he's a, he's heard the fact that he has a Twitter, but I don't think he's ever checked it. Okay, okay, okay. But did you see the, what, that one tweet at the end of World Youth Day no. about St. Mary? About Mary and an influencer? No. Oh, we're going to have to do this. Oh, yeah. Pope Mary was like the first influencer. Yeah, Mary was the first influencer because she influenced something, I don't, something Jesus. I just don't think that's the language that a person of the, the, the Pope's age would just use and casually tweet. That is a young person who's very talented and who's very right uh, tweeted. <laughs> you think it, or did you think, time out, did you think that was a good tweet? Um, it appeals to a certain audience, yes. What audience does that appeal to? Um, people who are obsessed with uh, social media influencers. 
it just struck me that particular tweet as like someone trying really too hard to be hip. Like I don't think Pope Francis or Pope sorry, I don't think Pope Francis Twitter account needs to be hip. I don't mind if Pope Francis tweets to a particular era of things as long as the church drops it when you know, culture moves on. So like in the 1960s, you had communist buildings and the church is like, wow, that's really pretty. And then they said, look at our pretty communist looking buildings with all these cinder blocks. And then the world moved on and we kept our cinder block thing. Wait, no, 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 no. This doesn't work. This doesn't work at all. Because it's that's building churches and building sanctuaries is different than sending out tweets. And so the idea that... No, just using the... Uh, appealing to the culture. Right, right. No, appealing to the culture is fine, but you have to do it well. And that tweet came across as trying too hard, mm -hmm. and it's not going to appeal to what it's going to. It will appeal to people who try to be cool on the internet, and they need Jesus too. People who try to be cool on the internet need Jesus and need to understand Pope Francis' tweets. Okay, but so... But it wasn't actually a good tweet. People... You're, you're, you defined an audience. You said that that tweet reached that audience, and now you're mad about it. It sounds like you're not his audience in that tweet. It was, it was not a good tweet. Because <laughs> here's, here's the real truth. I, did, I didn't love the tweet. The tweet. <laughs> All my tweets are excellent. And if they diverge from that, my tweetingness, my tweetness, then it's a bad tweet. So all tweets that don't have a hint or an influence from... So you're an influencer. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it that way, but yeah. Man, there are layers of why all this is wrong. This is all dumb. Okay. <laughs> Where, what, what were we talking what was about? The, we need to give... Social media something? We need to give due to this this Patreon tweet. Right. Okay. Something about... What were we talking about? Oh, people's opinions. How they can give their opinions. On oh, scream into the void. It feels great. No, the thing is, it's not, it's not really a void, is it? Because a void, you wouldn't hear anything back. This, you hear, you get stuff back. You get likes, you get retweets, you get comments. Sometimes you get ratioed, which is a bad thing. If you don't understand ratios, it's bad. It means more people didn't like your tweets. Mm -hmm. Liked it, usually. Um, I think people just... Okay, the point of the tweet is, hey, you don't need to respond to everything. That's good. <laughs> like, you don't have to have an opinion. You don't always need to be on the right side of history. You don't always need to be yelling about something. Like, you can just not have an opinion. Or have an opinion and not express it. Then what would you do with that opinion? I mean, uh, you want to affect change in the world. What do you do with it? What's your next step? You have this desire to be like, no, you're wrong. What, how do you wrestle with that? What do you do with it? Well, first of all, I mean, this is going to sound real clerical. One is kind of know your place, though. <laughs> but seriously, not all of us are meant to, quote unquote, change the world in big, fancy ways. Oh, it's like a Mother Teresa quote, right? Like, do small things right. very, very, very well. Like, like, be honest, like, about your Twitter account. Like, how much, even my Twitter account, how much does it actually do? Very little. And, and it would, putting that aside, what it does or what it doesn't do is what is your opinion of your own account? Because if you once you think your account is a big deal, then you're going to do more harm than good. Oh, once yeah. Once you see yourself as someone important then you have to once you see yourself as an influencer you then you're going to start framing <laughs> all your tweets it's because your identity is now an influencer rather than a child of god or right something exactly beautiful like that and as far as opinions go like sometimes it's better to not express your opinion like i have not yet this entire time told you how bad your shirt is it's a little tight i, <laughs> I mean it doesn't look great on you not a great shirt did I make the world better by expressing my opinion, Producer Nick? Do you feel good now? No. No. Bad. <laughs> feel bad because you're wearing a terrible shirt. <laughs> no one needs to know that opinion. People could listen to this podcast not knowing you look like a schlub today. But now they know because I, I said it. You know what else people should know? What else should people know? The exhortations of a cleric. Right. But we're not doing that today. What, what? We're not doing presbyterial or exhortations today. What are we doing today? We're doing the producer Nick spectacular. That means I have to make a bumper. God, you know what? It sounds funny, but it means producer I have more Producer Nick spectacular. Oh, goodness. Hey, lay people. Are you tired of not having a voice on Clerically Speaking? Well, get ready for the producer Nick spectacular. Producer Nick, 
When you're not being Bruiser Nick, when you're being regular old Nick, what do you do? So my fancy title is the Digital Media Strategist for the Diocese of Pittsburgh. And essentially what that looks like is uh, I, I have this personal philosophy that if the diocese is not at the service of the parish and it's not known and it's not effective, then what are we actually doing? I mean, there are certain essential things that a diocese has to do. Okay. Canonically speaking, uh, you have to have an archives. You have to have a tribunal. You have to have certain things. Now, my job is not in the essential as far as canon law goes, but what I do is help us with our digital presence. The Catholic Church Beautiful history, yes? I would agree. The Catholic Church has... I mean, there's some some yucky parts in there. Crusades, cutting off heads, throwing them over walls. You know, parts of the Crusades, parts of... Um, you know, we had some not-so-good popes sometimes. Yeah, popes with kids we've who got became some, popes. Right, we've got some schisms here and there. Not great. <laughs> LOL, am I right? Uh, no. No, not LOL the schisms. Oh, that was sarcasm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm sad about that. You know, the sad thing... <laughs> I should have understood that because we're not even tweeting to each other. Anyway, <laughs> but your point um, is that the Catholic Church We have beautiful is, history. We yes. have beautiful theology. We have yes. sometimes beautiful architecture. Yes. Um, we have so many good things. We we don't, this isn't for everyone, but we, we don't always have the best digital presence. So essentially what I do is go, I go from parish to parish and I help them with websites. I help, uh, which is our home base, right? I help with social media, Twitter, Facebook. Facebook, uh, Instagram primarily. That's really all the social media your parish should be on. Maybe Snapchat, but that's if you're really crushing it. Um, and then I, I help them with a video. Say Father so-and-so, Father Smiley Face wants to uh, do a video. I can recommend equipment. So anything digital, anything that's not analog, anything that's really not the bulletin, uh, that's on a screen that goes out to a parish audience, I help advise people on... Um, how to do it and how to do it well. Okay. So questions. Yes. How do most people get information in the parish? Oh, uh, a shockingly large amount still get it from the bulletin, but we find that the most effective way to communicate to parishioners is through text messaging. What? There is software that allows people to, or parish staff or father, whoever, to text their parishioners. Imagine this. You wake up in the morning and you get a text from father, whoever, who you love. You really love this priest. And they say, hey, just so you know, tomorrow's a holy day of obligation. Here are mass times. Ooh. And they don't abuse that. If I got a text every day from you, I'd be really PO'd. Yeah, also kind of creepy. <laughs> Leave me alone. Hey, Father, you're texting too many people. You're texting thousands of people every morning. You need to get a life, Father. The bulletin is the last print product that that still is highly effective. It's fascinating. I, I, maybe people are reading it before Mass. They're reading it in the car. But we give away a lot of bulletins. That's probably the most effective way to communicate with people. Um, then texting has like something like an 80% open rate. Um, and followed uh, by email and then um, word of mouth, which is, yeah, that's the way it is. How many parishes actually use text messaging? How many people use that? Not enough. Do any of our parishes use that? Yes. Oh, interesting. There, there are various uh, platforms. The one I'm most familiar with is like Flocknote. And imagine this. If every parish in the diocese had Flocknote, which is email marketing, text marketing, um, you can target specific groups. So if, you know, grandma's knitting groups uh, meeting, then they can say, hey, we're meeting today. Uh, we're knitting this type of blanket. Get ready. Like you can target that group and give a specific message. I like how to them. realistic your message, your parish message, your parish message example was. <laughs> Perhaps a young adult event might have been more applicable. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I love the idea of all these grandmas barely knowing how to use their phones, but loving knitting, and they get this message and like, wow, we're really excited to knit this thing. We here at Clerical Pod love the old grandmas who listen to the Clerical Pod. We do. We do. They're, they're just great. they're lovely. They're lovely. Keep praying for us. Keep praying. Don't got much time to pray. Huh? <laughs> no. Gotta keep going. No. Gotta pray while you can. No. No, that makes sense. You pray in heaven as well. It's sort of. It's you know. yeah. That's that's deep. Um, but you know, communication outside of the mass is hard. I mean, when Father says something at mass during the announcements, or he gives his plug, wow, that's like uh, the number one endorsement for any ministry. People in ministries love it when Father says something. So, how do we reach people? outside of the daily mass um, or outside of mass is a question and how to do so in a way that exercises best practice, that's not abusive, that's not intrusive. Um, 
is super duper important. So any kind of uh, marketing digitally uh, should be welcomed by the church. I would say as far your question was, how many churches do it? Maybe 20% in mm. the Diocese of Pittsburgh as far as texting. Um, it's it's very new to us, and it, it, it shouldn't be that that new, you mm. know. You get a push notification when you, uh, for any app that you have, but um, it's a good way to communicate. So that's your job. You, your job is to help parishes communicate better. Yeah. Which is, you would imagine, the mission of the church being bringing people to Jesus Christ. We do that through... Like words and stuff. Well, there, there are two words that I find that I encounter that people are most afraid of, and that's branding and marketing. Both of those make me feel gross inside. Like, I don't want, as a priest, like, I don't want to be branding things or marketing things. Like, it's a running joke on Twitter about, like, oh, this is my Twitter brand. Yeah. But people, we all use that ironically because no one actually wants to be someone who cares about a brand because it feels superficial. And gross. Yeah, it's. I I understand why it feels business like. It feels like uh, money's behind it, right? Um, but I'd ask this question: the Nike swoosh. What is that? Is that a brand? Let's talk about brand first. Is that a brand? No, that's a logo. Okay. So the Nike swoosh on a shoe is that your brand? No, that's the product. The brand is how you feel when you wear those shoes. Or when you see that logo, how do you feel? Clerical, just just clerical pod. We have not gotten an endorsement from Nike yet. No. Yet. Because you could say Nike, it's way too expensive, and that could be what you know their brand is to you. Mm. What is the brand of the Catholic Church? I mean, what would you say it is? The it, it's the feeling that you that you want people to get when they come to Mass. What is it? What is the experience of Mass that you want people to take away from? Jesus. Jesus is our brand. Freedom is our brand. <laughs> Wait, I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree with you. Yeah. But something about saying Jesus is our brand. Yeah. Is, uh, well, I mean, I'm, maybe maybe he's the product, right? But like, how does he make you feel? He makes you free from all of your sins. He gives you um, life uh, and life to the full. He, I mean, what else does Jesus, uh, an experience of Christ. Think of an experience of Christ that you've had. It's overwhelming. It can bring you to tears. When you're sad and lonely, he sits right down next to you. He's always there. Some people say Jesus is my best friend. Um, when you look at the McDonald's arches, what's the brand? Some people will say, it's delicious. It makes me feel so high. Yeah, Other we, people we, we will both say, say we both say yes, that, I, right? I love McDonald's oh, so yeah. much. I want to know. Not as much as Wendy's. If you want to know more about Wendy's, check out the Spicy Nugs pod. We can, you can find us at Spicy Nugs on Twitter. We have two episodes out. They're both excellent. Yikes. <laughs> But we want to start building the brand of, of the Catholic Church as one that is a, that like, wow, I just want to pray. When I think of the Catholic Church, I don't think of um, money. I don't think they just, you know, they are corrupt. I don't think this. I think Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's, that's brand. Are you com more comfortable with the word brand when I talk well, about I think, that? I think, I think more realistically, this is one aspect of a thing. So Jesus is not just a brand. Oh, sure. Nor could, he, nor could be wrapped up in that. I think sometimes um, we get afraid of the big super parishes who only couch things in this kind of language. And it, seem, it feels like while the business language can be helpful, if you only use that business language, then the church becomes just a business. And the emphasis shifts from, because how, how do you determine a successful business? by how many people are using your product or buying your product. Mm -hmm. How does that translate to a church? How many people are in the pews? Mm -hmm. But you can have full pews every Sunday and still have a garbage parish yeah. if people aren't utterly devoted to Jesus Christ, if people aren't being transformed by the sacraments, if people aren't uh, giving their lives to Christ and spreading the gospel. A polished piece of poop is still a piece of poop. Well said, Producer Nick. Thank you. So I think it's important to go forward, like realizing that this is just one aspect of parish communications. Sure. And, and, and it's one way of talking about it. Right. And I think it's an appropriate way of talking about it. Um, so my next question, question, you have a question, Father Harrison question. Yes. Who are the marketers? If we're talking in communication terms, okay. who are the marketers of the church? The marketers? Who's the person who is supposed to market the church? Uh, Identify the person. Uh, 
I, 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 actually, I, I honestly don't know. The lady, the nice lady who picks up your phone, your secretary. The, the lady who picks up the phone, if she picks up the phone and she's miserable, yeah. is she marketing Jesus Christ? I mean, not well. Not well at all. In okay. fact, she is destroying our brand. We call that toxic in our environments, right? Okay. But if she picks up the phone and she is delighted to talk to you, she's she's building the brand. Yeah. Because what I call Saint Who Cares Church, I I just I have this positive association with it. Mm. Right? That's brand. Okay. She's marketing the brand. So knowing that, who else might market the brand? Uh, the priest. The priest. Um, how would the priest market the brand of Jesus Christ? Uh, his, I mean, interactions with parishioners when he goes on sick calls. Uh, I mean, this feels gross saying it still because I'm not over the language, but like what the homilies and how he says mass, these are things that are giving you a feel for what the Catholic Church is all about. Sure, so the priest, absolutely. And, and frankly, like, it's everyone. Everyone should be marketing Jesus Christ. That's what evangelization is. Marketing, as far as I'm concerned, okay. is giving the basic charismatic message of the gospel, um, taking it from Mass, we're fed at Mass, and then bringing it out to people. And so we're all marketers. I'm like, can you... T My question to lay people is, can you tell your personal witness to Jesus Christ and why you go to church in two minutes. Could you do it in one? Are you saying you do it you're two? asking what your evangelical elevator pitch is? What's that? You're asking, what, do, does everyone have an evangelical elevator pitch? Do they have one? Would they ever even say it? Would you, we're supposed to go make disciples of all nations. Can you market your brand to a person at Target, which is a nation? Could you do it? Because uh, I think that's what that means, right? So we're all marketers. We're all marketing the brand of Jesus Christ. Now, digitally, what does that look like? Ah. We're getting more specific, okay. right? Because it is not just terms for, you know, evangelization. I'm just calling it marketing. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about graphic design. Can we go there? I mean... I feel like you have strong opinions about the graphic, graphic design. design at your parish sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Your parish, you listen. Yeah, no, 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 not, not, no, no, no. His is good. Yours, terrible, terrible. The graphic design at your parish sucks. Here's the basic format. We're gonna have a speaker in town to talk about Lent. And so, how do we craft that message? We say, oh, we'll just put it in the bulletin with some text, and it'll look like just the other text in the same bulletin and it'll be glossed over. What we need to start doing and what I'm trying to teach from parish to parish is, can we craft a message aimed at a particular audience that has them in mind from the beginning to the end, from why we're doing the event to how we communicate the event. And so if you have a poster with a million colors, many different fonts, it communicates that a child put this together. <laughs> it does. Producer Nick pulling no punches. If you have, and you can tell, like, uh, like, let's say someone makes a logo. If you don't, like, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, fine. But if you can tell that time, significant time and significant effort went into a logo, it communicates value. Mm -hmm. Time put into something communicates value. And when we communicate Jesus Christ and when we communicate our brand, we shouldn't just say, oh, just put that in the bulletin. No. Think of your audience. Maybe you want a family. Look, look, look at families. Families are incredibly busy. I don't know experientially, but the way families talk, even holy families, like holy families finding time to pray with their, their kids and, and, and knowing how to, it's very, very difficult. How do you market to them? What are their needs? What kind of picture, what kind of graphic design would stand out to them? Is it papyrus font? No, it's never papyrus sure? font. What if it's, what is it Comic Sans? Comic Sans is a great font for kindergartners. 
It was crafted in such a way that would be intriguing to the eye so that kindergartners would learn how to read. It could hold their attention. Now, like you said earlier, like sometimes we're just like older adults or adults, but we have like the maturity level of a kid. Yeah. Same thing with our eyes. There are people out there. I won't, I won't classify them. Uh, there are people out there who see Comic Sans like that stands out to me. Well, the font did its job, but don't use it in your poster that's supposed to attract young adults. Por qué? Why? Because it's terrible. (laughs) Because it's overused. Let's break it. Okay, yeah. Why is why is Comic Sans terrible? It's not terrible. It all depends on the audience. Right. It depends on the audience. So, like, let's say, okay, why is Comic Sans not appropriate font to put in your bulletin for a? not even young adult event. Let's just say it's a theology on tap event, not just for young adults, open to the whole parish. Why would you not use Comic Sans? Theology on tap implies that you can drink beer. It's a 21 and older event. Comic Sans is used in preschools. Don't use Comic Sans to invite people to a bar. Do you see the conflicting message? Yeah. Like it's, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, I don't disagree with you. But, but like, I think sometimes we, we talk about this stuff yeah. in, in generic ways, and then there are people who are genuinely confused. They don't understand why we say this is terrible so yeah all right so like people choose fonts because they like them i'm not going to blame them for that but do you choose it carefully or do you do you do you choose the font because you think it looks nice or do you observe the culture and say wow this really cool event in my city that's secular is doing really well and they don't use Comic Sans font. They use a sans serif font, you know, without the little lips on the end of the, the letters. And it's all bold. In fact, I'm seeing that as a trend. And maybe I should follow that trend. I mean, it's as easy as Googling popular fonts for young adults. <laughs> if you Google that, I guarantee you there will be websites begging for you to download their very free fonts. Um, re- regardless... What would I love to see in the church? I'd love to see myself out of a job because that every Catholic church has a graphic designer in uh, the parish. Yeah. It's a I big mean, ask. It is, it is. But also, like, there are tons of parishes where they can't even get DREs, let alone graphic designers. Right. Like, it's, and that's, what do you do? Because it seems like a lot of this, like, soup, like, having good marketing, having good advertisement, it's, they are the concerns of a wealthy suburban parish. I'll push back slightly because if we're not appealing to our younger generations, then things like uh, parish concerns about we need a storage shed, it won't matter if we need to raise money for a storage shed because there will be nothing to put in there because there'll be nothing in our churches. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's, I mean, I'm always a little bit skeptical about why we need diocese structures. Ooh, okay. Apart from canon law. Yeah. But I think what you're saying is like, okay, you're the guy who can go into a small parish with not a lot of resources and tell them how to do these things well without a lot of resources. In a perfect world, I mean, I teach people how to do a podcast with a handle of bourbon and a cheap mic and a sock over the microphone and make it sound good. Uh, <laughs> Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you make a video look good on an iPhone? Sure. What's the number one most important thing? Two, two things and three, three things that are important for um, making video? Have a tripod. Do you need a tripod? No. You just need your, your camera to be held steady. Put it on a stack of books. Um, you need good audio. 12 bucks will buy you a microphone that goes from your iPhone to the speaker. And then three, just make sure someone's talented and smiley on the other end mm-hmm. of the thing. You don't need a, a DSLR camera. If you could, heck yeah, buy that camera. But um, so it, essentially my job is to help those smaller parishes. It, it, our, our bishop in our diocese um, met with me on the first day of work and he said, Nick, I, if I want to reach people in ways that I haven't before, and if you can think outside the box to do that, then I want to do that. And so his commitment to it was wonderful. Um, so I want to work at myself out of the job by building systems and educating people to uh, how to do things so well that they don't need me. And then frankly, I'll get another job. That's great. Yeah. Everything you said is great. 
One problem. Probably more than that. <laughs> one one big problem. Yeah. The abuse crisis. Yeah. So like, what what do you do? Like, how, how effective is anything you do? Or okay, sorry. Let's let's make this more concrete. Uh, you are working right now for a diocese, and it's you know our diocese was in that grand jury report. How does your job change once that grand jury report goes so out? So I'm online and I'm watching a video, the live stream of the press conference where um, the Attorney General, Josh Shapiro, was uh, telling the stories. Now, he, he was doing exact, his grand jury report was uh, made to affect legislation. That was the purpose of that particular grand jury report. And so he's telling the most gruesome stories. Stories that have been reported on in the past, but if he wants to affect legislation, then he's going to tell the most gruesome stories. And I'm watching it, and then my coworker said, you don't have to watch on the computer, it's on CNN. I looked at the TV, I thought, oh no, I am suddenly the, the social media manager for a diocese that has been named on national television and will be in the news cycle for weeks. Uh, maybe a week nationally, but locally, it's still going on today. And it's been months. It's been since uh, August. It was in our uh, paper up in, at where my parish is, in our local paper, just yeah. a few weeks ago. And I, I heard local radio. I mean, I would turn on the radio and people would say, our law firm will help you sue the Catholic Church of Pittsburgh. Wait, seriously? You heard that? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. All, all the time. I, I would get advertisements on my Twitter feed because Twitter knows where you live. It's frightening. Uh, saying, hey. Do you want to see the Catholic Church of Pittsburgh? Um, so, yeah, that's absolutely a thing. So my job essentially becomes I have to manage negative feedback, but not just manage negative feedback, national negative feedback. So we had Catholic hate groups from around the country. We had very, very reasonably concerned Catholics. You had trolls. You had everything. And so what do you do? Cry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Really, I mean, it sounds, it's like, I mean, it's funny because um, every aspect of this thing has overwhelmed every Catholic. Yep. And I can only imagine, like, <laughs> you and your aspect and, like, your part to play in this has to be, like, overwhelming. I would do a, uh, I started a holy hour the Monday before the Tuesday when it was released. And so my, my schedule was uh, Monday, holy hour, experience gr deep consolation in prayer and, and praise God for that. And then filter through tens and if not hundreds of messages on social media or through the website. And then go home, take a depression nap for about a half hour, wake up, eat dinner, go to bed and, and do it again for weeks. Okay, so wait, hold on a second. So... Because uh, like, and bringing this out into a, a broader discussion sure, as well, sure. apart from just the scandal, yeah. um, you were dealing with various angry or negative. Let's say you were dealing with various negative messages that would go to the diocesan pages. Right. How do you handle negative messages? Um, like a parish, maybe just an old lady who was very upset that her knitting group was moved from Tuesdays to Thursdays, yeah. and post something on your. On your parish Facebook page, anything from that to, um, you know, a hate a Catholic hate group posting on you know the diocesan website. What are the appropriate steps to deal with that? How do you deal with that? There's two criteria that I like to use as my baseline, and that is, um, and and those criteria are, um, is it is it damaging, and is it uh, true? So, if uh, if someone posts on social media, Father Sharapa has smelly feet. Okay. Is that damaging? Not really. Is it true? Yes. Yes. Well, then I don't really need to address it. It's just like, who cares? If it's not damaged, if it is damaging, but not true, what does that look like? Father Sharapa uh, killed a hundred people with a rifle today. Everyone's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely didn't do that. That's did not do that. Yeah, he was on CNN conspiring with the Jesuits Why did to you take go down to that? the world. See, 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 when I come up with crazy examples, I pick. <laughs> Hold on, I'm sorry. What? 
If someone says that Father Harrison yeah. is Canadian, that's damaging. Yes, damaging. But you know what? It's true. It is true. So they're allowed to voice that. But let's say Father Harrison punched 12 kittens. Damaging, not true. Yeah. What do you do? You allow it. If it's damaging but obviously not true to the audience. Oh, okay. Right? What if Father Harrison punched one kitten? Damaging, potentially true. If it's just one kitten. <laughs> if it's damaging... I can see Father Harrison punching one kitten. If it's damaging and true, it, it warrants a response. Okay. So how do, you, how do you craft a response to that? First, you, you, realize, you, you do your best to uh, address the audience. And the audience is some person who is deeply concerned that Father Harrison punched this kitten. And you, you do statement of fact things. You, you, first of all, as a social media manager, mm -hmm. you are obedient to your pastor. And if your pastor wants to handle it in a particular way, you have to be obedient to him. Mm -hmm. In my case, it's obedience to my bishop, um, which I could do, which I frankly can do without violating my conscience. Um, uh, you give statement of fact things. You control the narrative to the best that you can. You don't say things like, he didn't mean to because that gives some people to something to people to speculate. You try to minimize speculate uh, speculation, um, and it gives a response. Now, in in regards to the re abuse crisis, people would say things like, "I'm leaving the church." Saint Ignatius said something along the lines of like, "I'm I'm going to heaven, and I, I want to save as many souls as I can," mm -hmm. and so I see myself as a, a minister on social media. So, I have to recognize that that person is a real person. I click on their Facebook profile page, and they are from Pittsburgh, and I've sent I sent so many people personal DMs saying, "Hi, my name is Nick. I'm a person. Um, I'd love to talk to you about this." Now. I found that 70% uh, of the people that I talked to, and I'd, tell, I'd give them my office phone number, mm -hmm. calmed down. They said, you know what, I, was, I made that comment and I was really, really angry and, and talking to you, I'm calming down. It's still very hard. Um, I don't know if I can go to this church anymore, but maybe I can go to this other one. Mm -hmm. um, other people would be say, say, no, screw you. Um, I bet, I mean, people would say things, I bet you molest people too. Wow. Um, that would happen relatively frequently. And you give every person one shot. That's what I say mm -hmm. on social media. Yeah. If it's your friend, then you have to deal with them. You know? <laughs> but um, on social media... I have given Father Harrison so many shots. So many. He is so mean to me on social media, and I have yet to block him. I really should. Yeah. <laughs> but keep things state, statement of fact and, and give everyone one shot. Mm -hmm. Now, a troll is probably just going to try to make you angry. Trolls get blocked, period. If someone's posting, you know, uh, political cartoons that are sexually explicit, if they're using swear words, they get blocked. Mm -hmm. um, there's no, there's no reason for that. It shouldn't be tolerated. But you have to at least give every person their their due diligence. Otherwise, the church isn't listening. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the church is just handing out papers and not listening to the, the lady. And lady cranky when they don't feel like they're listened to. I mean, understandably so. <laughs> jokes, jokes aside, yeah, understandably yeah, yeah. so. <laughs> yes, yeah. um, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so. Uh, we have a podcast with potentially millions of listeners, <laughs> correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is one thing you want to say to them about social media and the parish? If you say like one thing. Social media in the parish? Yes. Or uh, media in the parish. Let's just go media in the parish. What's one thing you would like to tell the potentially millions of listeners, the one bit of advice you can give them? Don't settle for mediocrity when it comes to media in your parish. The way we represent our, the way we craft our media represents Jesus. There you go. And when you use crap fonts and you don't care and you don't put time and effort into things, we communicate that Jesus isn't important. We need to communicate value. And if you're a parish worker and you're listening to this and you say, I've hit roadblocks with Father So-and-so, he doesn't value it. And you say, I am understaffed and underpaid and they, it can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be done. I don't think we believe in the same God. And you need to have that hope. You need to have that great, brave, courageous hope that you can affect change and you can do media well. Um, it doesn't mean that you won't maybe have to go to a different parish 
right, to fulfill that goal. Mm. But I, I'd encourage you to be brave, to be bold, and to not settle for mediocrity when it comes to anything in the faith I'm most passionate about, media. Well, on that note, not settling for mediocrity, it would be inappropriate then to have Tommy Ty on the podcast. <laughs> so we're going to postpone that. Sorry, Tommy. When we have a mediocre podcast, we'll have you on. You know what? He's probably too busy. He's got like this new kid who's he has a new baby. super cute. Yeah. Wow. If it's real, Tommy, we give you a lot of crap on the podcast, but because you're a good sport, congratulations on new baby, praying for the baby, praying for your family, uh, praying for your wife. Excellent. But that will do it for... Uh, the, the producer Nick Extravaganza! <laughs> yes. Yeah! <laughs> for kids! Thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes. Do it. Say something nice about us on iTunes. Especially about producer Nick. Say something nice about producer Nick on iTunes. And tell your friends about the podcast. But you know what? What? Tell your enemies too. You know why? 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 Because we should love our enemies. We should love our enemies. You know, if you recommend the podcast, who knows? You might find a girlfriend because of this podcast. You might. It's happened before. Has it? Yes. It has. It has. And you can, okay, so you can find me at Father Sharapa on Twitter. You can find Father Harrison somewhere. You can find me at Papa Sharapa. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Do you look at that? You're Papa Sharapa, I'm Papa Sharapa. You know, it came from a, I w- that's my rap name. I would, uh, I'm a part-time youth minister. And uh, <laughs> that, that, I made, that, I did that a rap. That entire sentence was terrible. You said, uh, said, uh, said, uh.